Right. And we're on. This is the Let's Talk Cheer podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Larkin. Where we talk cheer, we talk life, and we talk whatever comes to mind. Five, six, seven, eight. Let's get started. Turn it up, you tuning in to Let's Talk Cheer with Jason Larkin. We're talking cheer, we're talking like you know we're always talking. So listen up, you boy, I'm about to go all in. Five, six, seven, eight, we're on. Let's begin. This is episode number 22. Not sure if there's going to be a 23, but thank you for joining. And with all the buzz surrounding the new All-Star Worlds, I had to reach out to them and see if they could come on the show and talk about the championship and everything that they've got going. So I reached out and I got in contact with Heidi Weber, the Executive Director of Operations. And so she joins the show today talking to us all about the Open Championship Series, but more specifically, the new All-Star Worlds. Will it be the replacement for the Summit? But before we get into that conversation, be sure to smash that like button. And if you're new to the channel, definitely subscribe so you don't miss out on any episodes of Let's Talk Cheer. Now, without further ado, my conversation with Heidi Weber. All right, guys. So we have a very special episode for you guys. I want to set you guys up with how this all started today. We have Heidi Weaver. (laughs) (laughs) You did it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're not supposed to focus on those. You're supposed to focus on what you're supposed to say, not what you're not supposed to say. (laughs) That's hilarious. I love it. Heidi Weber. Why do I want to say Weaver? I know I want to say Weaver. It's Weber. I know it's Weber. Weber. Okay. Okay. Weber with one B. That's what yeah. I always say. Weber with yeah. one B. Weber with one B. <laughs> Sorry, I got you. I got you. <laughs> All good. All right. All right, guys. I've spent way too much time on this intro, so I'm not even going to do it. But right here, we have Heidi, the executive director of operations for the Open Championship Series. Um, enough about me messing this up. Heidi, I just want to <laughs> hop right into this. Here we go. We're already starting off great. So I will tell just a quick thing about how we got connected and why I wanted you on the um, show today. And then we'll, you know, we'll hear, you know, your side of things and hear everything about what we got going on over there. So let's see. So um, a few podcasts ago, a mom had wrote in, written in a, um, a um, question for our question of the week. And it was something about, you know, my daughter, they got a bid to the All-Star Worlds and they, you know, the gym denied it. And now they're not letting them, you know, try for a bid for the summit. I feel like our, you know, our level two team is getting cheated. So, you know, what should I do? Should I approach the coaches? And, you know, I said something and I hadn't really heard much about All-Star Worlds at the time. And I say something like, well, you know, I don't know the coaches already made their decision of where they want to go. And do you trust the program, all these things is up, but it's a first year event. Looks like it's just put on by a bunch of IEPs. I'm not sure how long it's going to last. I, I don't know if I could take our families all the way from California to a first year event that's supposed to compete with the summit. So, you know, sure. I wouldn't really worry about it too, too much. And, you know, that was it. And I think the, um, over the next several weeks, there's only a few weeks before we go to all of our end of season events. Right. And there's like this buzz going for all-star worlds. 
And then I see on all the coaches pages, um, that was a great event and, and people, and I'm like, oh man, it might actually turned out to be a pretty good event. And so sure. I wanted to get you on to kind of talk about the event and, and, you know, actually, you know, cause again, if I, I feel like I'm not the only one in this boat that hadn't heard much about it really before that sure. question. So I want to hear all about the event and this is something that I should bring our families to from California. So this, that's what this call is all about. So we're glad to have you on. Um, yeah. Thank you for having me. Excited yeah, to be here. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited you're here. So let's yeah. get this started. Before, okay. uh, what what hats have you worn in the industry? Before we even talk about the event, I just want to hear sure. your background, all the hats that you've worn in the industry. Sure. So I think, you know, kind of like everybody else, I started out as an athlete, you know, um, I'm in my forties. So that was a while ago and uh, cheerleading looked very different back then. I grew up in Southern California. Um, actually, yeah, I went to, um, San Marcos high school way back. Shut up. I did. I I cheered at Palomar. You did. Awesome. Yes. So I grew up in San Marcos, um, went to San Marcos high school and cheerleading was actually fairly competitive um, in the 90s there in comparison to other places, especially at the high school level. You know, um, we did have we called it show cheer back then. Um, it wasn't even called co-ed. There was, you know, we had like four cheerleading uh, teams at our high school. And um, anyways, Palomar, huge feeder into Palomar, I'm sure, as you all know. And so cheerleading was something that I was already a part of as an athlete. Uh, but not competitive in the way that it is today. So um, I eventually went to college and moved to Oklahoma. And uh, when I did, I was teaching at a middle school and of course got the the perfect question from every principal. Like, do you want to coach the cheerleading program here at our junior high? And you're like, so young and excited. And you're like, absolutely. I want to do this. This is great. So I spent quite a few years working on the scholastic side of cheerleading. So I coached junior high, I coached high school. I worked with teams on choreography and state routines and all kinds of stuff like that. So I primarily stayed on the school side of cheer for many years, but how I really um, started working my way into the actual industry more and more was I worked with teams um, in our, in our city that were a little bit lower socioeconomical demographic, and they were struggling to be able to look like all the other cheerleaders when they went to camp and they had to, fund, I mean, we had no funding, you know, I fundraise every single penny of it. Um, and so I started kind of doing local uh, purchases of apparel because I'm like, look, these kids want to fit the part and look the same as everybody else, but they couldn't afford to pay the prices for camp clothes or some of the uniform costs. So I started kind of running around crazy looking for all this. Well, eventually a couple seasons in, I am doing it for like seven schools in our area. And um, yeah, I know. And everybody's like, Yeah. How do you, how do you uh, find all these deals? Well, you know, I'm mixing and matching all over the place, you know, and, and working with local vendors. So one day a good friend of mine basically was like, girl, like you just need to start your own apparel company. Cause this is silly. Your, your, your clothing yeah. half of the, of the city, you know, teams. So I did, I started American spirit and essentials or ASCE in my garage. Um, you know, yeah. And, and, you know, it's so funny because I spent so many times in my garage and um, if people would have saw me sitting in my garage on these calls with, you know, pretty big deals going on, yeah. they would have probably ran the other direction, you know, but um, from a very, uh, very humble beginning, I got to working with apparel. And so really I, I kind of 
have always birthed all of the parts of, of my experience with cheerleading and my commitment to the different things I've been doing out of some kind of need that's been brought mm-hmm. to me or for the kids I've been working with. So started with apparel, um, spent a lot of years doing uniforms and shoes and, and camp clothes. And then we started doing some small camps for teams we were working with and the area. And then eventually fast forward many years later, uh, I was approached by some of our all-star customers because we were doing apparel for all-stars, mostly like, you know, practice sets and and team t-shirts and stuff like that. And they're like, Hey, can you, think about doing, uh, competitions. Well, we had kind of done like one school competition for mm-hmm. quite a few years and it was, it was just very local and, and service the need of the, of the school kids and help them get ready to go to national events and stuff like that. And so we did, we said, okay, well, we'll take a look. And we re- rebranded and, um, we started celebrity. So we started celebrity championships and, um, you know, it's a regional company. We're in, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, you know, we're close to the areas that we live in. Um, And we started attracting all-star customers. They were looking for experiences that were, you know, um, whole picture for their athletes. They wanted them to feel like they were getting, you know, taken care of. So of course we want this celebrity theme and gave them a VIP and the red carpet and all that good stuff. So as you can see, just kind of transitioned from one thing to another from there as, um, the head of celebrity, I started working with other event producers in the industry and I started creating relationships with people all over the United States that were producing these events. And so then I got involved with a group of event producers, which at the time was, um, with an organization called the IEP, which is where that whole IEP independent event producer kind of name came from. Yeah. So, you know, over time, those of us, and, and again, remember I came from Scholastic, so I didn't even enter into coaching all-stars till way later in my career. I had been coaching all uh, school cheer for, for a long time. And a good friend of mine in um, Oklahoma, we had been friends from coaching school. She's coached at a really predominantly successful high school here. And she's like, Hey girl, like come and and do some all-star with me. And I'm like, man, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I want to get on that side of things. Um, but I did, I went with her and we coached at a really small gym and eventually, uh, that gym became a bigger gym and, and so forth and so on. But, um, that's where I kind of entered into the all-star side of things. And that was back gosh, not that long ago. I mean, you know, like 10, a little over 10 years ago. So not, maybe not even about 10 years ago, probably. So anyways, I got involved with this independent event producer organization and started meeting other people like me. And basically we kind of came together as a group and we were like, Hey, you know, what are some things that we can do to keep the industry thriving and going well? Well, as everybody knows, and I'm not telling any secrets, there were a lot of mergers and a lot of purchasing. And there were a lot of companies that were going from being on the independent side Mm -hmm. to no longer a part of that. And so as that was happening, you know, I kind of felt like it was time to take a step back, talk to those of us uh, that were left and go, Hey, like, you know, there's a lot of companies in cheerleading and in spirit that are, um, really needing to like sit together and talk about, you know, growing the industry and and being successful long-term. And that was including apparel companies. Cause you know, I could see things from multiple perspectives because Mm -hmm. I didn't start in 
I'll start. And I didn't start in events. I started in school and then I went into apparel and then I went into an all-star and then I went into events. So I had a little bit wider, you know, scope of vision for cheerleading as, as an entire industry. So we kind of all sat back and we talked about some, um, thoughts about transitioning and how we could really start bringing people to sit at the table together. And um, so, you know, the next season, we actually changed um, the IEP into what's now called the cheer and dance industry professionals. And we invited anyone, anyone to join the organization. So the uh, IEP was originally set up as a, as a nonprofit. It's a 501c6. Anybody can be a part of it. So we invited all these, these other um, vendors and, and suppliers and event producers to come and be a part of it. And we went um, from like, I think we had nine members to 50 in one um, yeah. season. Yeah. So it was great. So as we were doing that and developing relationships and, and really growing and, and working together and collaborating from those times, new relationships started and, and built and kept going. And um, a handful of us got together and really started uh, talking about all of the things we had personally been working on in different in different areas of our businesses. And and um, four of us got together and basically said, you know, hey, we feel that there are some gaps and some holes and we see kind of a, a possible crash and burn coming for the industry based on cost and, you know, longevity and sustainability is not going to be there if we don't offer some more market choices and things like that. And um, one of our partners in the Open Championship Series, David Hanbury, he had been working for a long time on some concepts and um, really the foundation of what the Open Championship Series is. And he him and I sat down and he was like, Hey, these are some of my thoughts. And I was like, yes, let's do it. And we brought in a couple more event producers and said, you know, what is going to be athlete forward gym focused and create a long-term sustainability and growth. And we decided that it was to um, collaborate not to own one another, but to bring in as many event producers as we could to collaborate together to increase um, visibility and share resources and encourage our customers to be rewarded for attending events and rank them so that like if dad gets on there and he's like, hey, you know, um, what does this mean? My daughter got like first in youth two at this local competition, but what does that really mean? In other sports, you have rankings and you see things that, you know, comparatively speaking. And so we created a, this entire ranking system. So now any event you attend across the system, you're seeing every week, like where your youth two stacks up. So you might be in the top 10 in the country for that week for any event attended by youth two, or you might be like 57th and you still got first at the competition. So this was bringing like relatability to the sport uh, yeah. in comparison to other sports. So those were like some things that we, we spent a lot of energy on and, um, you know, really wanted quick, to, is yeah, that ranking you know, system a lot. Just based on the a lot, scores? Right? No, so not at all. So the ranking system is actually, it, it's a whole like little beast within itself. So it's, mm -hmm. it's based on, um, so we take your score, which is actually a average of the, we take the average of the entire event so that we can create equality across all events, because, you know, some events, and we hear this a lot with, you know, scoring issues. And that's a whole nother subject for a whole nother day. But, you know, um, 
one event you go to and you're like, well, we're scoring 98s, we're scoring 98s, we're scoring 98s. We come to your event, we're scoring 95s. Like what's going on? So we had to create um, an ability to take that element out of it and create a weighted uh, measurement. So we, we take for the ranking, we take an av- we we build an average of the scores at the event so that everybody starts on an even playing field. We then look at your score, your placement in the division, your uh, placement versus how many teams you competed against. So like if you got first out of one, you know, then, okay, that's fine. You get recognized for getting first. But if you got first out of 10, that's weighted differently because obviously that's a, that's a different perspective. Um, And then we also use percentage of perfection. So there's like about four elements that go into the ranking process and then they're assigned points and those points stack over the weeks. And then you're able to follow yourself across the, across the season. And that goes with, I know we're not talking about also worlds right now, but that's across all the open championship series. That whole, yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. There we go. Really cool system. Yeah. So basically each Monday, each event producer, they turn in their results. We have, um, you know, the formulas and the the spreadsheets and all that. I don't even touch that stuff. We have an amazing staff that, t- that handles all that, but it's all, you know, auto-populated. And then that produces that ranking. Um, so it, it's great. And another thing we did was we, we gave out credit towards whatever end of season option you wanted to choose in the open championship series. And I preface all this because all-star worlds came after all-star worlds was birthed out of a totally different, um, situation. And when, you know, when we get there, we can talk about that, but basically the open open championship series created open options. We put in open locations. You didn't have to bid chase. You could plan ahead. You could, we put them in, um, very researched areas that all had family activities. We wanted to push back towards having experience. Yes. The competition is of course, why you're there. But when you're done with that, are you just seeing a, com- a convention center or are you going out and actually enjoying your time? Can you go because, enjoy the city, yeah. Correct, because what we were hearing from people is that kids were not staying in the sport. So we had to identify why. Why aren't they staying in the sport? Well, we know the number one reason. It doesn't matter what anybody tried to tell us the number one reason was. The number one reason was cost. It's too expensive to keep people in. Well, what are the drivers of that cost? Well, it could be travel. It could be, you know, um, the price of events, but let's be honest, most of it had to do not with what was going on in the gym, but what was going on outside of the gym. In fact, most of the gym owners we were talking to weren't taking paychecks they're, they're, or they're, you know, taking hardly anything and they were not thriving. Their money was just sifting right through. And, and that's not any way for anybody to have longevity and sustainability in any sport and not burn out. So we felt like if we brought back the interaction with the family and having options that it would open up more opportunities for future participation. Um, if I can choose ahead of time, well, Hey, my gym's going to drive this year because we're not going to do a, um, a big travel event at the end of season. We're going to drive, then they can save and plan ahead. And then next year we're going to fly all the way across the country. And that's going to be our choice um, of event. So really it was about just bringing back that open market, more choice and having the opportunity to plan. So, you know, we set up basically, um, I want to call them like safety nets for all of the holes that we were finding. And we tried to 
reassure coaches that it was going to be okay for them to not have their families sit in the, in the convention center for eight hours or five hours, but to actually go enjoy what they're doing and wrap up their season that way. And basically want to be ready to try out again, because they had such a great time that they're willing to come back in and spend that money with the gym. So that's kind of why the open was created. It wanted, it solved what we believed it helped solve, not the only solution, but it was an additional solution to cost effectiveness, planning ahead, and then um, creating that kind of excitement again for families to, yeah. to be involved. Yeah. So we went to every event producer that we could and basically said, this is what we're doing. We want to invite you to be a part of it. There, we're not trying to own you. We're not looking to buy you. We want you to be sustainable and thriving. And yes, we have these end of season options, but those aren't really the, the, that's not really what this is about. What it's about is driving business to your events during the regular season, letting the gym owners have the ability to plan ahead and to make more money within their gyms and to satisfy the athletes and the parents with their experience. So it was very like full circle, whole um, industry minded because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, this, you just want to make money at these, these end of season events. No, it's not about that at all. It's about increasing participation. Is there money made at events? Absolutely. This is business. There's nothing wrong with that. But if everybody shares and everybody collaborates, then everybody reaps the the benefits of working together and we continue to grow and we sustain. So, yeah, so that's a lot. I I mean, that's that's a lot, but that's that's kind of my progression. So, you know, I I I tried to bounce everything back and forth with you know, the people, our founders, obviously we're constantly in communication. And then of course, like on the day-to-day, we're constantly bouncing off. Is it athlete forward? Is it, you know, customer minded for the gyms? Are the parents going to uh, enjoy what they're participating in? And will the kids want to come back and will the gym want to come back? So yeah, I, I felt like with being an athlete, well, back in the day, being an athlete, you know, when you didn't have to do all of the things you had to do, but being an athlete, um, being a coach for many years and then owning my own businesses, I, I felt like safe that I could have a decent perspective on, on keeping balance on that, you know? Yeah, so. for sure. There we go. I love this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's so much. So much. There is so it's much not- I want to unpack, but I didn't want to interrupt. I did interrupt. No, I know. I'm sorry. And I could talk a really so long time. No, we're good. Okay. Okay. So I kind of feel like you answered this, but I'm going to ask it one more time. Why? Well, that was kind of the why behind the uh, open, but can we, do we call it the open? Is that, is that like the slang? Yeah. It's the open championship series. Open series. We call it the open series is what we call it. The The open series. Yeah. That's what we call it. The open series. So we got behind like kind of the why with the open series, but why did we decide to start all-star worlds? Like what was... What was the why behind that really? So obviously um, COVID created Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, blank space. We'll just put it that way. There was a lot of, you know, what's going to happen, what's going on. Um, We had the opens, but we still saw that people were very interested in having a, um, a little bit more elite slash, you know, super competitive option. Mm -hmm. So when COVID hit and we were all kind of just on our own times, like spending our energy trying to think about what uh, we were going to do next, you know, we talked about what was going to happen for, um, you know, 
the the industry when all of this kind of wrapped up and was there an opportunity to create a healthy or healthier, I'll say healthier bid system that still allowed people to feel like they could um, create levels within their their business model of the types of teams they were working with. Um, with the open, you have D1, D2 splits, you have guaranteed multiple day uh, performances, there's no elimination. You know, we have a lot more um, cushions for the experience to be really, really competitor friendly. Okay. And we knew that there were people still looking to have a little bit more of, um, an intense competition experience. So, um, we got together and we were like, if we do this in a healthy way, we can still offer bids and we can allow people to have that elimination type experience and, um, save them money because we knew that the cost was still very high for the alternatives. We heard people consistently saying they wanted options, but they didn't feel there was anything. They, they, they felt that they were kind of in a position where they couldn't move left or right. Um, and so we spent a lot of time traveling uh, prior to COVID. We spent a lot of time traveling to meetings and talking to coaches and really saying like, we hear you, you're saying you want change or options, at least to have a choice, but what does that look like? You know, what's going to really allow you to, um, to do this. And so we took all that in and started working on it. Well, COVID hits, um, we're in a predicament. Do we, do we launch this? Do we really work through this? Do we wait? Well, we started kind of forward thinking, realizing that, um, when we started back up again and it started to happen towards the beginning of what would have been the fall season, events were disappearing. Things were not coming back. People were panicking because they were like, I didn't attend an end of the season last year because of COVID. Oh, there's no events that I normally attend in this area. What am I going to do? Like there was all of these holes and people were literally in panic. They're like, I've done it. I remember. Yes. You know, (laughs) I was there. Yeah. I done it this, I've done it this way for however long. And I literally cannot do it like this now because I cannot go down to this convention center on this date that I've traditionally done for the past five years because it is not available. So um, we decided that right in the fall-ish, about, I think it was like August-ish, we were like, okay, we're going to go ahead and do this. We see the need. We see that there's this big gap. Um, we had been working on the, the concept all summer, you know, and um, really basically we were like, this is the time because people need to feel safe. They need to know that they have options. They need to know that it's not going to cost them um, nearly as much as they've paid in the past. And they need to um, know that now because their businesses are dependent on securing their families that there's going, it's going to be okay. Um, So we took a risk and we said, yep, we're going to do this. We're going to open up the all-star world and um, you know, we're going to invite teams to participate in this and we're going to offer these bids. And, you know, we gave them out to people who ranked in the, we gave paid bids to the people who ranked in the top of rankings. We had them at events uh, and we had these at large bids and we were like, look, we're going to make it equitable. We're going to make sure that our event producers are giving them to mini youth and junior senior. We're going to spread this competition out and we're going to save people money. So we gave out, a lot of um, discount options. We don't have state of play. We cut out all the things that people were like panicking about. And we said, 
guys, it's like, there's going to be choice. Like we're going to give you some choice and, and we went for it. So that's kind of where all-star worlds came from. Um, it really, it really was the uh, birth out of COVID and, um, need. So, you know, we had heard these needs, heard these requests. We had already had the opens and people were, were wanting to attend them and they were successful, but they still were, were still like on the fence about if the opens were going to be the end all be all for them. And so we said, well, then we, if, if the, if the, business model isn't being matched for everyone, then we need to create more options for the business model. And, and one thing that is really important to us, all of us uh, that are part of the series and, and started the series and work daily on it is you've got to do what's best for your business model. As gym owners, you've got to make the choices that help your business business succeed. It's not choose only this or choose only that. It's It's pick what's best for you to be successful so that you're around because those kids mm-hmm. need us to keep this industry alive. Yeah. So that's kind of where all-star worlds came from. Um, you know, we did decide to put it down in Orlando and honestly, let's just be honest about it because that's what everybody was used to. And that's mm-hmm. what people felt comfortable with. Uh, it allowed for people to try something or do multiple. We had people doing both, you know, um, all-star worlds and other end of season events that were around the same time. And so we wanted to let people feel comfortable and safe and try something different in an environment they already knew. So there we go. Yeah. All right. So now who is the, who, who, who's the, who behind all this, who's all in the room saying, Hey, let's all get together. So originally it started with, um, the owners of Deep South and ECC, which is David Hanbury and Kendall Hanbury. And they uh, got together with myself and I had celebrity um, as well as Jeb Harris from Redline, who also now is um, each year, if you're familiar with each year at all, a a free online streaming uh, product. And then also David Owens from Rockstar Championships. So yeah, yeah. So the four of us um, got together. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that, David and Jeb and I all live within, you know, we're a few, we're connecting states. So David and I are both in Oklahoma. We had worked for years together off and on in different capacities due to like, I mean, you know, he was a college coach. I was a high school coach. We'd go to combines, but none of us had worked collectively, like in just one room, um, on projects. So we started, you know, we started with us four and we thought about, you know, who else can we invite to, to participate collectively? And so we just, like I said, we just started contacting event producers saying, this is what we're doing. The four of us have come together to create this, this series. Um, we want you to be a part of it if it's the best for you. And the first year, I think we had like, well, the first COVID, the, the first year was COVID, you know, 19 to 20. Mm-hmm. We did one event in Universal Studios in 19. So we did the open Universal inside Universal Studios in 2019. Uh, for 20, we had eight locations. And of course, they were all canceled for COVID. Yeah. Um, and we had, I believe, like 200 events that you could choose from within the series and like 20, 23 event producers that were working with mm-hmm. us. Um, last year we moved up to like 26 event producers and about 250 events. And then, um, we, this year we're at 32 domestic event producers with, uh, almost 300 events yeah, and there we go. 10 
Yeah, 10 international partners. So we have 10 countries that are also working with us, which is super exciting. Um, and, you know, we have event companies all over the country. And, and the thing that I love about it the most is that one event, 20 events, we don't care. We just want mm-hmm. to work to collaboratively. You know, we have event yeah. producers that call up every week and they're like, hey, hey, you know, I just I just have this one event in my area, but is there any way I can be? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody can join. This is not, um, this is to be inclusive. This is for growth and we, and we can share resources. So it's been really fun. Um, it's a lot of energy to, to spend building relationships, but what I've really come to love the most about it is all of the relationships that have been built are what is so powerful in, in keeping us all motivated to keep this initiative going for, for our industry as a whole. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So how was, how was the actual event in Orlando? How, how'd it go yeah. first year out? Oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's an event. So of course there's always little hiccups and things like that, but um, we were able to pr- put the event on in the Orange County Convention Center. So of course we had this massive space, um, wonderful production. Um, I have to give credit where credit's due, you know, uh, David Owens is known for his crazy production and over the top experience. He did a phenomenal job with all of our production team to get three stages ready. And, um, you know, so we had a really, a really dynamic, exciting, um, high, high production event in the air conditioning. So people seemed to really <laughs> enjoy that. They felt that yeah. that was really positive. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So yeah, we had a, a, we had, um, you know, it's funny because when we announced we were doing all-star worlds, we said, we're not doing D1, D2 splits. Mm-hmm. Well, that went over really well with some people and really terrible with other people. You know what? That was one of my questions. Cause I heard there wasn't D1, D2 splits. And then my follow-up question was how did people react to that? So I'm glad that we're getting so, onto that. Yeah. So, Oh, I mean, you know, you gotta love, you got to love what our community is capable of communicating, but we all know when it's like you on the other end of getting like annihilated by um, somebody mm-hmm. good. They're so mad of your choice. Yeah. It's, it's like, Oh, you know, but there was a lot of concern. We were, you know, people were very like standoffish initially because they felt that especially on the D2 side that there would be, less ability to win the event without that split. You know, what we really pushed was this is a world championship. We want everyone to compete at that type of level. And, you know, I think you're going to be surprised. I think you're going to be surprised at how well these teams are going to do because the skills are the skills. A back handspring is a back handspring. A back walkover is a back walkover, you know. Uh, But selling that to people was hard. I mean, they were like, now, you know, some people were very excited because they hadn't been able to compete against a large amount of teams for a while because of splits. Um, So, you know, we just encourage people that if it was going to hurt their business model or they felt it wasn't the best fit for them to be successful for their customers to go to one of the open locations because there were D1, D2 splits there. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
trust us. We believe that this would be a really great experience. And, you know, the elimination, of course, people were like, oh my gosh, you know, we're going to do this and there's going to be elimination, but I'm going to tell you, it brought back this excitement. We did these live announcements of the teams that were being moved on to finals. And I mean, Mm -hmm. the kids went nuts. They loved it. It was so exciting. It was so fun to watch from the, you know, perspective of, of just getting to stand back and take it all in. And, and so, you know, we brought them to the stages and had all that experience. And, you know, once the event was done and people were able to see the results, majority of the, um, second and third place teams to like our silver and bronze were D2s. They were absolutely D2s. So, you know, it really spoke to, there is so much talent. There is so much talent in this sport and across the country, but people, you know, have gotten used to doing things a certain way and they, and it's scary. It's scary to break from tradition or, and, and do change. So, yeah. So we got some really good feedback and we got some, I will never come to your event because you will not split. And, you know, we were like, okay, we, you know, we love you. We don't want to, we, we want everyone to be successful, but what we did do, um, for prelims or what we called round one, Mm -hmm. is we put teams in their subdivisions in likeness. So, you know, you were seeing teams in your subdivision that were like you, you, and then you weren't really competing completely head to head on all fronts until you got to finals. So when you were in, uh, when you were in your subdivision, you were seeing teams, if you had, you know, 20 kids, you were seeing teams in that 22 or less range. And, And even sometimes even extra small or medium, because there were divisions that had 55 and 60 in 60 teams in them, but we broke them into subgroups to go into and took 50% to finals so that more okay. participation was allowed. So yeah, there we go. <clears throat> yeah. 50% make finals. And so do you still plan on doing um, no splits next year? Like the D1, D2 splits for no, no, no D1, D2 splits. Yeah. So we do have, um, we do have the opportunity if the event, which we believe will be quite a bit larger this year, mm-hmm. grows to where we feel the experience would be, you know, changed based on the size, then we will open up more size splits to where, mm-hmm. you know, you may start only seeing based on size, but we will not be doing D1, D2. That is not in the works, nor yep. do we really yep. have any plans to do that at any time. So so when you say size did you own like senior three? Did all senior threes compete against each other or was there already like a medium and a small? So they weren't split by medium and small this last okay. season, but mm-hmm. they were in their subgroups split by. Yep. Yeah. So then they didn't see each other again until finals. So in their gotcha. subgroup. Yeah. So some of the subgroups, there were four different subgroups and they were seeing, mm-hmm. you know, and some were like small, small, extra small, medium, but then they would meet back up at the end. So, yeah. Great. Like, there we go. So like the champ was the champ. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, what about the score sheet? What score sheet did you guys use? Did you guys use the so, traditional? Well, I don't say the tradition, yeah. like varsity used, score sheet. Yeah. We use the industry standard score sheet. Industry standard. There you go. Like that. <laughs> uh, we use the industry standard score sheet at the time. Um, I will tell you that at we're the time. Ready. I heard that word. <laughs> we're getting ready to um, release some updates on what we're going to be doing with scoring. Um, I will tell you this, no one will need to change the routines. Uh, we will be tweaking some of the ranges and making it what we feel by speaking with so many coaches and gym directors and choreographers, what will benefit the industry most and make the teams have the opportunity to be most successful. But um, you won't be seeing anything rogue or crazy come out of our yeah. office like that. So 
There we go. Inside <laughs> scoop right here. Yeah, yeah. All right, Heidi, can I keep yes. it real with you? Yes, go ahead. All right, here we go. So, okay. All-Star Worlds, is this yeah. supposed to be a second option for gyms, like for teams that don't make the summit, or is All-Star Worlds supposed to rival the summit? So All-Star World is definitely rivaling the summit. There we go. N- Nike's Adidas. That's right. That's right. All right. Yeah. yeah, choose what? Okay, there we go. So so now my question is, what makes... So we talked about the... Um, I heard three... So you said three different stages. So right. I, I heard originally there's a day one stage, a day two stage. What's mm-hmm. this third stage? Or explain those three different stages for me. Yeah, sure. No problem. So this season, um, we had three stages. One was the 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 final stage. So that's mm-hmm. going to be the highest production value stage. Um, and then we had two additional stages, one being used for awards and announcements for finals. Mm-hmm. And then okay, one yep. being a second performance this year, there will be a lot more stages. So there we go. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. So I kind of feel like we're getting into this part, but what is it that should make customers, families, gyms, coaches, everyone want to either come back or come for the first time like what is making this event like so special like why this is your time to convince me that we need to fly out from california sure absolutely so to start with we we took everything into consideration that the customers and the gyms and the athletes have been communicating for the past however many seasons of listening to people's desires. We created super high production where the kids felt like they were rock stars, superstars walking out onto the floor. We spent a ton of energy and time into the aesthetics of it, the feel of it, the flow, how you, from the moment you walked in till you got to the floor and you exited the floor, all of that has been considered. The backstage cams, the the way that you interact with your, with your fans. I mean, all of that was so that the experience is what the kids remember because fast forward to us as adults, you know, what do you really remember? Well, you remember like these special moments, right? So we were going to create as many possible special moments. We gave out great prizes, big rings, you don't got, you don't have to go buy another, you know, $300 ring. We're giving it to you right then and there big gold medals, you know, big banners and, um, you know, really letting the families have choice. So there's no state of play. There's no, um, there's no need to purchase park passes. You can, we offer travel packages that are phenomenal. I mean, they're like $200 an athlete cheaper on our travel package. Hey, say it it louder for the people in the back. And, you know, so if you want to be at Universal and you want to experience theme parks, you can, but you don't have to. And that was something that, you know, because we have the open inside Universal and it's a phenomenal event and people love it but it's inside a park and you have to have passes. And we tell people that if this is not the fit for you, don't pick that event because everyone, including granny is going to need a pass. I don't care if she doesn't ride Hulk. She has to have a pass to walk in the door. Well, we did away with that for all-star worlds because it was really about the competition, the experience, and then being in a city where you could do whatever you wanted to. So those are huge parts of it. Um, Another thing is we're, we're flexible and we're fast so we can make adjustments to what the industry needs based on the communication of the industry. And we feel like that's one of our biggest strengths because we are able to say, if we need to turn left, we're going to turn left. If we need to turn right, we're going to turn right. And that's, and that's what we've done. And I feel like we've proven that and we're continuing to prove that to the industry that 
we're going to keep making choices that put the athlete and the gym owner first, because that's who matters most in this. Um, and, and then we all win. So, you know, really it's the experience. Um, we try to have really good customer service and take care of people. Are we perfect? Nope. We're human, you know? Um, but we try to always right any wrongs. We try to listen to feedback and, and, um, give customers what they're looking for. So those are the reasons that I believe that we're seeing the success that we have and we're putting our money where our mouth is. And we're, when we say we're going to do it, we're, we're doing it. And if we make a mistake, we're fixing it and we're acknowledging it. And we're saying, yep, we see that we will take care of it for next time and we will continue to grow. And I think that that's all people really want is they want to know that they're in good hands and that they're going to be taken care of. And so are their customers. So that's our focus and that's our model. And, um, we will never stop making it about the customer's experience. And that's not just our customer, the gym owner, it's their customer, the parent and down to their athlete. And like I said, watching, I'll tell you, we hadn't had live awards, right. All year. I mean, you know, it, watching the final awards of the, of the event, you know, I stood mm-hmm. behind the stage and I got to watch the last, um, mini and youth. I think it was like level two and three or something like that go, And I mean, I just cried because I saw these kids just like so excited and they were getting to run on the stage and they were getting to celebrate a very hard earned win, a very hard earned win. And it felt like right and good. And what we were doing was what people were desiring. And so that has to stay the focus. We have to always feel that and know that that's the energy that we're bringing forward. So. Yeah, there we go. Good stuff. Okay, now I got a juicy question for you. Okay, okay. So I'd heard, and you can debunk anything, right? But I'd okay. heard um, that the All-Star Worlds is not USASF sanctioned, right? That's correct. Okay, so I heard that somewhere in the bylaws of the USASF that teams... The event producers that are sanctioned cannot give bids to non-sanctioned events. So I have a multiple choice question for you. Mm-hmm. Will All-Star Worlds be a sanctioned event next year? A. B. Okay. Will these sanctioned EPs decide not to be sanctioned anymore? Or C. None of the above. So A. All-Star Worlds will not be a USASF brand or mm-hmm. B, that will be a choice that each individual will have to make. I will tell you of our 30 plus, we have less than 10 that are USASF uh, members. Okay, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, so um, there's that. And um, it's yet to be seen. Uh, There is, you know, there is some talks that that could be an issue for choice and membership, but each one will have. Yeah, the, each one will have to make their own decision based yeah. on what they feel is best um, for their brand and their company. We have no um, issue with them being a part of the USASF or choosing not to. Mm-hmm. We have our own standards of safety, which are very high and actually have additional safety protocols that aren't even required by yep. um, membership. So, you know, C is both were <laughs> both were real questions. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. 
All right. So those, are yet, those are yet to be seen. I, I can't speak on behalf of uh, the event producers, yeah. you know, themselves. So for sure. Yeah. Now that you say it the way, yeah, the way you explained it, I was like, oh yeah, they're all individual. That's you know, correct. That's correct. They get to make their own decisions. And if you want to send a bid That's here, correct. you can deal with your own consequences or not. Right. Okay. There we go. Okay. Um, yeah. I also heard this. So I heard, well, it's not a USASF event. But I guess that's well. No, you're right. Keep going with that. Yeah. So it's it's not a USASF event. So I heard that All Star Worlds. Well, actually, what I heard was event producers cannot give a bid to an event that has the word Worlds in it, right? But you're not USASF, so you don't. Yeah. So you don't have to. You can have an event that says whatever your title is going to be. So I don't think you're going to change that. All-Star Worlds is still going to be All-Star Worlds this upcoming season. That's correct. At this time, that is, yes. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So I see this a ton on ASGA. Where can family, not families, um, where can gym owners find, find out how to get bids? Okay. So if they want, remember the open's open. So they can go to any open location anytime. If they want all-star world bids, they can go to the allstarworlds.com and they can find all the event producers across the country that are giving out. Um, so if you're in the series, you get at-large bids, no matter what, it's mm-hmm. just a part of being in the series. And those actually have monetary value. They have $50 per athlete with them. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to uh, give out paid bids, you'll find that list on online. So you can, go. you can go on our website and find out who's giving out paid bids. So the and allstarworlds.com. The, the allstarworlds.com. Yes. Any hyphens in and there? No hyphens. That's right, it. The allstarworlds.com. Yeah. And we have um, an announcement that's going to be coming out soon for areas that maybe don't have as many bid options. So be on the lookout for that as well. Right. There's going to be a, another. For us we, here in California. We always have announcements <laughs> coming out. <laughs> so we've got some solutions to problems like um, lack of bid. So th- there will be a. Mm-hmm a non-bid option so just okay. just be on the lookout for that yeah. there we go on the lookout okay look so i also heard i'm just i'm just like hey i heard this rumor let's just clear this yeah. up so right. um i heard that last year that if you got a bid a summit bid during the 2019 2020 season that they could use that bid as a bid to the all-star world is that true so what we did last year was with COVID and people not mm-hmm. having as many regular season events to attend mm-hmm. to obtain new bid options, mm-hmm. we opened up what we call bid swap. So bid okay, yep. swap was if you have a bid from the previous year that you didn't get to use, we don't care who it's from. It could be our company, any other company, and you want to swap it out, we'll honor that bid and let you come to All-Star World. Gotcha. Yeah. Will there be any bid swapping this season? We, we don't really have any plan on having bid swapping because it's not really a necessity, especially with yeah. that announcement that's coming out. <laughs> Dude, plug it. Let's go. Okay. So off camera, you had mentioned about the term IEP. Um, yeah. 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 So feel free. I would love for yeah. you to elaborate on that. And I, I'm sure our audience yeah. would love to hear it as well. So IEP, I think, served its perfect purpose at a time when there was needing to be or feel a feeling of needing to have distinction between a major brand holding and then kind of everybody else. And so then with the creation of the IEP itself, the Independent Event Producers Organization, 
you know, I don't know if the, which came first, the chicken or the egg, but that kind of was, you know, birthed and it, it's never really gone away, but I'll tell you as independently owned event producer companies, we don't love it because it's kind of like lumping everybody together saying like, you're either this big old brand over here, or you're just like anybody else. And all of us have just like people, unique personalities to our brands. We all have different products that we're selling. We all have different experiences. And so, you know, we would love, and I'm I'm kind of speaking on behalf of everybody, maybe I shouldn't, but for the people I know, we'd love to get away from IEP because it just feels like, like people lumping us into like a them or not them or the, this or the, that. Well, know us by our, by our actions and know us by our products, you know, call us by our name. We would, we would love that because at the end of the day, and I get it, it's nothing against the industry. Everyone's just trying to identify options and it's easier sometimes to just say like, well, send me a list of IEPs, but it'd be great if we could transition into what event producers do you enjoy participating at and let people speak from, from there? Because the truth is we're not all created equally and we're not all the same. And some of us are, you know, doing events in a very specific way and others are doing, you know, and and there's all levels of events and and just like anything else, there's all different styles and cost points. and, And we're not all the same because what ends up happening is we get calls in our office and they're like, well, in our area, we only have XYZ IEP and our parents don't like it. And it's terrible. And they don't want to try anything else, but we're like, well, we're not, we're not all the same, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? So it'd be great if we could get to a place where we are just, if we're just referring to one another by our brands or by just event producer. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a, that's a, um, a hard one to fix, but yeah. it's kind of a, it, it almost feels like it, it's been used as like a derogatory term mm-hmm. about, and I always laugh because I'm like, you do realize as purchases have happened and mergers and acquisitions have, they were all IEPs at one time. At one point. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're all independently owned at one time. Yeah. So if we could go ahead and get out of that mindset, I think it would be helpful because it would also take some of that stigma of, mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't know. Have you ever read the book um, by Dr. Seuss, the Starbelly Sneeches? It's about the no. I will read it to my daughter tonight. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll Amazon it. <laughs> it talks about, um, and I love Dr. Seuss's. You know, mindset. He was he was like a, a civil liberties person way back in the seventies. Mm. You know, and stuff. Yeah. But he taught the book, and it was my favorite book as a kid growing up. And I think it really helped mold me into who I am today. But there were these sneeches with stars on their belly, and there were sneeches that had none. And they fought all the time to keep them away from each other. There was the, the, the stars and the non, and you couldn't, if you had the stars, then you couldn't go with the ones that didn't. And mm-hmm. anyways, you know, I see our industry many times that way. Like we have created a, a, you know, separation in so many capacities and created division, whether it's, um, who you compete with, what brand you wear, uh, whether you're D1, whether you're D2. I mean, we've just created so many ways to divisively pull ourselves apart. And, um, you know, I'd love to see us become united and really just working towards the betterment of all of the industry and, and you know, not worrying about. And, and the story goes, if you read it to your daughter, that the the, the speeches without stars, they 
a guy comes, rolls into town and he says, you want stars? I can give you stars on your belly. And so they go get their stars. They pay to get their stars put on. And now you can't leave us out. And then the star bellies say, no, take our stars off. And they go back and forth and Mm -hmm. on and off and in and out. And eventually nobody knows anymore who had stars and who didn't to start with. And they just become who they were always meant to be, which is just sneeches on the beaches. And so, you know, I, I believe we're at a time where we're going to become a unified, uh, a unified group with the athlete being the, yeah. the forefront of our, of our, there we go. So I yeah. honestly, I'm going to get that book. Maybe you should. It's a great to the podcast. So my mom will great. order the book. Your mom will get it. Get that. Yeah, stuff. So you know, I, I didn't do it justice, but I'll tell you, it's been a motivation to, yeah. to work towards So, And listen, I can no, talk. It sounds so. great. <laughs> it sounds like a great, I'm like, I can already see the, yeah, I can already see where she's going with this. This is great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Final three questions here okay. we go okay right, so so what needs to start what needs to stop and what needs to change in the industry oh that's a you said final question like that's not a big deal <laughs> <laughs> um i think what needs to start final three questions final three yeah. questions okay yeah so what start stop, stop and what was the third change change um start is to find our voices again, start finding your voice and bring it out to the table because all of us need to be speaking to what our industry needs. Mm -hmm. Um, We need to start coming together and sitting at the same table and discussing what's going to be best because where we came from matters how we got here matters and where we're going is super important. And all of those, all of those, um, all of those pieces have a part to play in our future. Um, we need to start finding our lanes and acknowledging that every one of us in this industry has something to give or a gift that they've got within them that, that helps grow the industry. We need to stop dividing ourselves. We need to stop, you know, being afraid of what our neighbor is or isn't doing, or, you know, we need to stop feeling like, you know, there's a one way of doing things that there's only one way to be successful. Um, we need to stop treating this like a hobby and start treating it like a business and really running our businesses to be successful. And what people have done to be in the industry and what they've sacrificed to own gyms it's no small task and there is nothing wrong with being financially rewarded for that. And it's time for people to start being taken care of so that they can do this forever mm-hmm. if they want to or pass for it sure. on. Yeah. Um, what do we need to change? I think perspective, you know, the perspective that we can't together create the industry we're looking for. Um, this, this industry was birth from passion. I don't think anybody would deny that. There's not, especially on the all-star side, there's not a person involved in all-star that doesn't have just raw passion, creativity. And we are some of the most amazingly inclusive human beings. And, um, we need a change that we've, we've kind of hid that again and, and pushed it down and, and, evolve. I mean, we need to change. We need to evolve. And, um, I, I think it's our time and I'm, I'm excited. I think the next five years of cheerleading is going to be 
phenomenal. And I think you're going to hear new leadership rise up. I think you're going to see people take at reins of things that they have probably had so much um, experience and, and, and ability to share and, and willingness, but you didn't even know that they were, mm-hmm. that they had it because there was no lane for them to speak out in. I think you're going to see that change. I think you're going to see people yeah. rise up and say, Hey, I'm really good at that. And I want to take people with me because our kids, when they leave the sport, we got to create career career options for them. We got to create education options. We got to do more than just give them a, a really great time until they, you know, get to that open age and maybe or maybe we don't want to participate anymore. We got to we got to do better than that. We've got to yeah. give them the ability to run with this because they love it just as much as we did. And for sure, we're getting older. There's got to be people that come behind us. So, is that three? Does that answer? That, I don't know. That, that's it. <laughs> Okay. Okay. That's a lot. You put me on the spot a lot of times. (laughs) (laughs) You're killing it. I see why you were recommended. Like Heidi needs to be in there. (laughs) Not me. It needs to be Heidi. (laughs) Oh man. All right. She's our executive director of operations. That's right. That's right. I got it. There we go. Finally. Yes. Weber. (laughs) Yes. Weber. With one B. (laughs) One B. One B. Okay. Question number two. What um what myth narrative or rumor do you want to debunk about um the Open Championships series or the uh, All Star Worlds? I think we kind of debunked them already. Most of yeah. the stuff that seems to be um, on the forefront of people's mind, um, we're not going anywhere. I'll just yeah. put it that way. So there we go. Easy yeah. peasy lemon squeezy. Yeah. Yes. Good stuff. All right. Here we go. Last question. Where okay. can, um, I know we already answered this kind of, but where can people find you more information on all-star world yeah. open championship sure. series, or just, you know, yeah. anything. So you can always follow us on social media at open championship series. You can email me anytime, Heidi at open championship series.com. Um, you can go to our website, open championship series.com. You can also go to the all-star worlds.com. All of this information is up there. It talks a lot about credits and rankings, but you can just reach out. I mean, our staff, we talk to, all we do is talk to people all day long. And, you know, we are more than happy to have sales reps call you. You can talk to me personally. I talk to gym owners all the time, answer questions, um, do a lot of what we did today, uh, giving relief to things they've heard or maybe been told, but um, especially those things that aren't, that aren't exactly correct so you know yeah just ask us we we really are working very hard to have a very transparent industry and be a part of and you know we're working on scoring transparency judging transparency event transparency all the way across the across the board so reach out anytime we're here there we go. It wasn't hard I to did. get a hold of you, right? It wasn't. You're the yeah, emailed you, emailed back, and then it, yeah. it it was easy. It was hard for us to connect, but we emailed. Yeah. That's, right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But we're good. Heidi, thank you so much yeah. for 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 joining us. Um, you're yeah. welcome back anytime. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was great being on and thanks for your time. Again, huge shout out to Heidi and the entire All-Star Worlds crew, everyone there at the Open Championships. 
thank you so much for coming on the show and just talking about the great event that you guys have going on. This all started because of a cheer mad question of the week. So listeners, you guys, coaches, parents, athletes, you guys are out there. Continue to send those questions in because we make this show for you. You guys truly steer the direction of this show. And if you don't have a question, well, that's okay. You can subscribe. You can smash that like button and you can leave a rating, a five-star rating and a review. So today we're going to get to another review and give a shout out to you guys who continue to leave those reviews. So this one is from Amanda8804. Florida cheer mom, smiley face. I stumbled on this podcast while at work and can't stop listening. I keep sharing with all the moms, coaches, and cheerleaders I know. Thank you for that, Amanda. Your score sheet episode and talking about summer vacation, I had my daughter listen to on the way to practice and she was hooked. I also told her one of the amazing tumbling coaches at our gym listened. She went and asked him about it and he was surprised that she knew about the podcast. Now she is hooked. We love all the information with a different perspective. Thank you for all the episodes. We look forward to many, many more. Amanda, thank you so much. If you want to hear your review read out loud on the podcast, leave the review, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you may be, Facebook, and uh, maybe I'll read yours next time. Five, six, seven, eight, we're out.